This is Perspectives, the show where a look at our differences often shows us how much we have in common. I'm Condis Presley, and today we're talking about a subject that unifies us all, music. Our guests are John Seabrook, he's a writer at The New Yorker, and Mike Will. Now Mike, when you read his big professional bio, says that he is from the Atlanta area, now making his home in Los Angeles. But Mike is from Marietta, and it's just wonderful because if you've listened for a while, you know that I'm Marietta, and it's just great having him here. But the great thing about him is that he is on the precipice of joining an elite club of brand name mega music producers like Timberland. He's the guy who's behind all the music on the TV show Empire. You all know who Pharrell is. Now, John Seabrook is here because he has written this most fascinating book. It's a real page turner, and then at times it reads like a textbook, but it's fascinating with all the information. It's called The Song Machine. Now, in The Song Machine, he tells this great story about the intersection of creativity and commerce. The bottom line is he's going to explain to us why the songs we love are so addictive. And John, thanks for coming in. Congratulations on the book. It is. It's fascinating. What made you want to sit down and tell us why music is so addictive and why we hear these? Well, like I'll, I'll hear a song one time and I'll hate it. Yeah. And then I'll hear a song one time and then I'll hate it. Yep. And then I'll hear it, I don't know, fifth or sixth time. And all of a sudden, you know, I'm doing that with a One Direction song right now that yeah. I didn't like when I heard the whole album. Right. But now it's like, I really like that song. How yeah. does, why is that? Well, the brain likes familiarity. Uh, the brain likes, particularly when it comes to melody, I think, that once the brain gets used to a melody and then you, you hear that melody again, the brain starts, I think, completing it just before your ear hears it. And then when your ear does hear it, your brain gets happy. It's just, it's just like, oh, yes. It sort of shakes its tail and wags it with delight. And, you know, we hear a lot of pop songs over and over again. They're sort of designed that way. I also think because of the way they're made these days with so many hooks, as opposed to the older songs where you had maybe one or two hooks. But nowadays, the idea is you're supposed to have one every seven seconds at least. Um, that's what some people say. And uh, the hooks kind of get embedded in your brain. And then you hear it a couple times. And even if you don't like the song, your brain kind of likes it. And you really have no choice, I think. So, Mike, what's a hook? Um, to me, a, a hook is like something that, <clears throat> I mean, I feel like a hook is something that hooks you. You know what I'm saying? It feels like that's like your chorus. A hook is another word for it, like chorus. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, um, but what John's what John's speaking on, like when there's so many different hooks in the song. You know what I'm saying? Like a person might have a part of their verse that might even just be hooky. You know what I'm saying? Or either, or even like a lot of times, like even on Miley's album, when we were working on Miley's album, like we used chants that were hooky. You know what I'm saying? Like. Um, like the bridge when we on um, we can't stop or like you know what I'm saying like um, I mean I, I don't know it's just like like music is changing so much so much now it's just like I mean you could it's it's so it's so like like John just said it's so many different hooky parts to to a um, to a song and I feel like it's because like today's generation um, the attention span is a little shorter because there's so much music out and people are getting so much music at like, uh, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, they're getting so much music at once. So it's like, you know what I'm saying? You almost have to have those hooky parts. You almost have to have those right. those chants, those melodies, those, you know what I'm saying? Those things that's you gotta, gonna You gotta grab us and, and keep right. us. Exactly. How did you 
I don't want to say fall into, but how did you know that music was what you wanted to pursue as a career? And how does somebody become a producer like you working with you? I love how you just dropped the name, you know, working with Miley on We Can't <laughs> Stop. And you're talking about Miley Cyrus. Yeah. Right. Um, man, it's a, it's, it's, a re- it's a real long story, but. Um, Hit us with some I highlights, saw, I, yeah. Yeah, I just started off in Marietta. Um, I worked. I worked on. The, I worked on the urban scene. You know what I'm saying for a long time. That's how I got my entry to the music industry. Then you know I started working on. Um, I did um, two pop back for Rick Ross. You know what I'm saying. I did um, um, bands make a dance for Juicy J. Um, Turn on the lights for Future. Uh, no Live for Two Chains. And then like a lot of a lot of um, the records that I was producing on the hip hop side started crossing over. And one thing Jimmy Iovine had told me like that's like one of my like main mentors or what or whatnot. But uh, he, he was just telling me that, um, man, it's on me to make hip hop pop. And um and I never really understood what he was saying until all those records like Bands Make a Dance, Turn on the Lights and No Lie started going up the charts and, and crossing over. So when I when I started seeing that, that's when I, I started understanding like, okay, dang, hip hop music could be pop. Like, you know what I'm saying? And I, I, I really didn't understand what he was saying until he was saying like Tupac was pop. You know what I'm saying? Timberland was pop. Pharrell was pop. Um, Dr. Dre was pop. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you could just make your sound popular. That's all it is. And um, at that point, like, I listen to all types of music. If you look at my, if you look at my, um, if you look at my iTunes, like, you'll see Adele, you'll see Portishead, you'll see Gucci Man, you'll see Future, you'll see Miley Cyrus, you'll see um, um, the Flaming Lips, the Fugees, like, you know what I'm saying? Everybody, you know what I'm saying? Like, um, Queen. Like I listen, to, I listen to pretty much everything and everybody. I just like music, and uh, I went to school um, at Georgia State, and I was like, like studying like music, and like you know, what I'm saying like the history of music or whatever. And I just keep an open mind as a producer, just just keeping an open mind and just like, okay, I know I could do like the cool version of. Cause at the end of the day, I feel like music is like for the consumer. They either like it or they don't. It's either cool or it's not. You know what I'm saying? So. Um, as long as you understand, like that type of that whatever type of music that you're trying to do, as long as you understand like where the source is or like you know what I'm saying, like what what you're actually aiming towards, I feel like you just gotta make the cool version of that. You know what I'm saying, like the new cool version that nobody has heard. Like when when me and Miley did, we can't stop. I was just telling John this, like a lot of people were telling me it was too slow for pop radio. Like no, nah, it's not gonna work. It's too slow for pop radio. But I'm like really. You know what I'm saying? Like really these dance DJs changed it, changed the sound of pop radio with, with the four on the floor and, and they killed it, you know what I'm saying, with the dance music, like and it was dope. And I and um I just feel like any any like 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 me and John were talking about also is like um melody is like the universal universal language. Yes. So I feel like that's what it's about. I mean, I can go on for days. I can just I and Mike, talk what about I wanted, music I, stuff for days. I love your passion. And one of the things I wanted to ask you, Mike, was I mean, there's a lot of a lot of folks, men and women, guys and girls on the street who are like you and want to create hooks, want to produce music, want to create music, but not everybody meets the right people, gets the right break. What was the big break that you knew you were going to be able to, hey, you know, I'm gonna make some money out of this and, and win some Grammys along the way? Um I think it happens. It happens organic. You got first. You got to grind. You know what I'm saying. You just you just got to have the focus. You so you saying you can't stop? Yeah, you can't. Yeah, you can't stop at all. You gotta. You definitely got to grind. You definitely got to stay focused. You got to stay dedicated. 
Um, you can't you can't really take no for an answer, man. You got and you can't be scared to take risks. You can't be scared like two things I was scared of that I told Jimmy Alvin I was scared of um was failure and rejection. And um those are two things that you gotta That happen uh, gotta, every day. Yeah, that you gotta embrace and, and you gotta just keep throwing stuff at the wall and, and just seeing what sticks. You know what I'm saying? It's like um like really, really like I never knew I never knew that I was gonna work with Miley Cyrus. But it's crazy when I first entered the industry, I told everybody like, "Man, look, I got hits all the way from." Cause my intro, my intro, my first, the first person I was working with in the industry was Gucci Man. Uh-huh. So it was like I got hits all the way from Gucci Man to a di- to Disney. You know what I'm saying? I just kept saying that, and and come to find out, you know what I'm saying? Two years, three years later, you know what I'm saying? Working with Miley Cyrus, and um, really with the whole Miley Cyrus, how that came about was, um, I had we can't stop. It was a record that I was working on, and I was playing it for Rihanna. And I was just like, man, yo, this is like the new party in USA, man. I'm telling you, this is like the new party in USA. And then I'm like, well, why am I trying to get a new party in USA to Rihanna? Like, why don't I give it to the same girl who's saying party in USA? Because it's not the same song. It's just, it's just like the same, I don't know. It just gave me the same feeling and whatnot. So I told my manager, I said, man, I need to be in the studio with Miley Cyrus as soon as I get over the flu. And I wasn't even over the flu yet, but I went to New York and I had a meeting with all the different labels. And um, and at this time I had like a lot of different records out. And so they were just trying to just hear records from me. So I was just playing them. And then I ended up playing We Can't Stop. And then they were like, yo, this will work for Miley Cyrus. I'm like, man, yes, man. I just told my manager this the other day. And um, they, they, they grabbed the record. They let her hear it. She connected with it. And then we got in the studio and we did like eight more. And then that's when we did um, Bangers. Bangers, the album, I ended up executive producing her album. But we didn't go in the studio planning like, oh, Mike Will's going to executive produce my album. Like, it just it just happened like that. So I feel like it's hard work and dedication is what pays off. In a minute, I'm going to ask you about Mike Will Made It. John, I want you to talk to us about a couple of things. One, you did a lot of research and traveled uh, to put this book together. And one of the things that you wrote was about how when you were over in Sweden, which is where there is just like a phenomenal hit factory and probably kind of the birthplace of it, where there wasn't as much of the, the crossroads of, of pop and R&B. Right. And then you said, you know, here, race kind of plays a factor in everything yes. where so <laughs> much of, of the black music was covered by the white artists going right. all the way back to Elvis and before. Yeah, I think here in this country, we grew up with this idea of, you know, pop on the one side and R&B, hip hop on another side. And it's kind of a white black divide that goes back to, you know, into our history. Sweden didn't have that kind of racial history. And so when white people decide they want to make R&B, it's just like, go ahead and make R&B. There's nothing stopping you. And, and I think that is the sound that the Swedes brought to America with uh, the Backstreet Boys and Britney Spears. It was a white sound, but it's a, more of a rhythmic pop sound. And it kind of combines dance, some dance tracks, but also with the melodic hooks on top of it. And it creates this hybrid, which was possible, I think, for Swedes to achieve, but would have been more difficult for uh, American artists. And so when, when Mike's talking about, you know, hip hop pop, you know, that sounds like, oh yeah, that's an obvious next step for pop. And that I do think it is. But the reason why it's so difficult to achieve is because in this country, I think, you know, if you're a hip hop guy and you start making pop records, some of the hip hop community might think, oh, he's selling out, you know, he's crossed over the other side. or and And on the pop side, 
you know, if you make a really hardcore hip hop production with a pop sound, it, you know, the audience thinks, oh, maybe this is a little too edgy, a little too rough. So it's actually a very difficult thing to achieve. But that's why Mike is so brilliant. And I think it's probably just because he grew up at a time where these things were starting to come together and he heard them in his head together. And I feel like that's why Mike is going to be like that Timberland guy, but he's going to go further than that because he's actually going to create pop songs that are also hip-hop songs. Mike, you're 20 what? 26. That's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, so he's a young guy. Absolutely. And John, the science of music too, and, and Mike, you chime in on this as well because as they say back in the day, it was all about you know the artist where you have the vocalists and the instruments, and now so much you wrote about is being created in the computer using programs, and you've got sampling, right. and and you know first it was illegal sampling, now it's legal sampling, and right. and whatnot. Yeah, I think one of the things there, Mike can talk about this, I'm sure, but I think I think for a lot of older audiences, they think that if the if songs are made on machines with computers without people playing instruments that they're somehow less accomplished because they, that's the producers haven't mastered an instrument. But I think you get to a younger audience and there's no distinction of that kind at all. And so I think we live in a time where the older crowd is probably hearing the pop songs on the radio and thinking, this sounds strange, there's no instruments you know, in this. But for a younger audience, it sounds totally natural. And maybe it actually sounds a little weird to have an electric guitar in it. You know, I don't know, but that's like the big, big change that has happened in the last 25 years. And I think Mike is really the first generation where it's like completely native to Pro Tools, to computer-made songs. It's like, you know. She's like, yeah, what did you start doing when you started creating? What were you doing? What tools were you using? I did, I, I played the saxophone in middle school, but I feel like the difference between times, like the difference between the times of like people using instruments and like today is like back then, Sure, sure. Music was a wave, but it was more about playing the notes and like the solo, like the solo from the saxophone guy, or like the you know what I'm saying, like Kenny G's, or like you know what I'm saying. And it, and it was power just, of power and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. and and it was just and it was just beautiful how they could play that instrument and how well they could play that instrument. And it was like showcasing how well they could play an instrument. I feel like today is more about a wave. You know what I'm saying? It's like creating a wave. You know what I'm saying? Like tempo is gonna make the wave slower. You know what I'm saying? If it's a slower tempo, it's gonna be a slow wave. If it's a faster tempo, it's gonna be a you know what I'm saying, a faster wave. But it's like all about creating a wave and how you know what I'm saying, like how a person bounces. You know what I'm saying? I do. And, and that's that's what that's what like I always tell artists, definitely new artists. I'm like, yo, if you can't go in the studio, because right now. The fact that everything is going into computers and you know what I'm saying, like machines and all that kind of stuff, like, like you can't you can't really tell, cause everybody has like the same drum kits and all that kind of stuff for the most part. You can, sometimes you can't tell the difference between this person's beat and that person's beat. You don't know who made the beat. You know what I'm saying? But okay. I always try to tell new artists, if you're if you're going in the studio with a producer that nobody's ever heard of, man, he better play you some beats that you never heard in your life. You know what I'm saying? To make because, it stand out. Yeah. Yes, because if if he's not giving you a certain feeling or he, or if he's not giving you a certain wave that you've never heard in your life, then guess what? He's copying something else, and it's not original. You know what I'm saying? So at the end of the day, I think now, I want to say nowadays that people respect originality, but it's a lot of stuff that, that seeps through. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I feel like the difference between the two of, of um, like I said, like 
back in times where they were using more instruments because I came in like when I <clears throat> I was going to concerts when I was younger my first concert I went to it was like immature bone thugs all that you know what I'm saying and uh, my dad took me to the concert and he he man he talked about this for like three years you know what I'm saying after this concert like man there was no instruments on stage because his favorite group was Earth, Wind & Fire huh? you know what I'm saying so he yes. was like man there's no there was no instruments on stage like what kind of concert is that mm -hmm. no instruments like music's going to mm -hmm. like ha not having any instruments and he always used to tell me that and I used to be like man what are you talking about like, you know what I'm saying like who cares right. about an instrument you know what I'm saying but but like at, but as I started growing older and started opening my mind and started paying attention to music and started understanding like what's going on and, and as I started to create it was like okay I get it you know what I'm saying? Yeah, there, yeah, there's like less instruments. It's still cool. Like if you know somebody who knows how to play like an instrument and you can like fuse that into like, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like a new wave is like, it's dope. But it's like right now, it's, I feel like right now, like the um the music or the production side or the instrumental side of the game is all about a wave and it's all about a different wave. Maybe mm -hmm. the, maybe the, instead of the snare just going every, you know what I'm saying? Like just counting regular, it's like maybe it's just a double snare. You know what I'm saying? Or maybe it's just a, a double kick right here where it's like it's breaking the rules, but it's like, yo, it sounds good. And, and it's it making a and new rule, yeah. Yeah, and it's making me move. You know what I'm saying? As long as it makes somebody move and feels good, it's all about feeling now. Man, you know I love, love your energy. Yeah, as long yeah. as it makes you feel good, yeah. that's what you want to do. Yeah. John, is that why you say that there is a very elite group of producers like Mike and Max Martin, some of the others that you write about, who are now the go-to guys to create these hits that are essentially, I guess, are going to save the music industry, because well, the music industry is kind of falling on some hard times. Yeah, in a way, the producers are like the rock stars of a previous area. In the rock area, you had the bands that made the music, and then the producer's job was more or less just sort of make the band sound a little bit better, or just to sound more like themselves. Whereas nowadays, you go into a studio, and it's really the producer completely in charge. He's made the beat. He's made the track. He might have done some of the instrumentation too. And then he can also direct the artist in Because the other thing about this is even though the, the, the songs are made of machines, that actually makes the vocal even more important because the vocal is, is the last real instrument. Yeah. And, and vocal recording becomes a huge, huge part of the producer's job. And mm -hmm. they have techniques for that too. That'd be auto-tune? Well, no, no, no. no. That's <laughs> all comping. But you, I don't know you call it comping, where you record yeah. the same line a lot, and then you take out the best bits of the line, exactly. and stitch Comp it, it all together, yeah. and, you, and you come out with an incredible vocal. So, so yeah, these producers are all kind of like these super producers that have all the skills of the old days, the you know Phil Spector and Max Martin, plus this extraordinary technical ability to actually create the music on their machines. And then the ones that can also achieve pop hits are very few and far between. And I think if you're at a label and you have an artist, you don't want to mess around with people that have never had a hit. You want to go with a person that has had a hit. You know, maybe they're not going to be able to do it again, but I guess you feel like your track record. And a guy like Max Martin has had 21 Billboard number one hits. You know, everything from Britney Spears to The Weeknd, I Can't Feel My Face that's the guy if you can get into the studio with you probably want to get into the studio with him so are these are, again will mike and these guys be the ones who 
save or at least transform I the music so. industry into the next phase? Because well, he, with everything being digital and why buy and I I, I'm going to say album, which is going to show my age, but why buy a complete work right. as opposed to downloading a couple single. of the best tracks or yeah. a single or whatever? Yeah, well, streaming is, de I mean, hip hop is huge on streaming. Yeah. I think it's been a great thing for hip hop, wouldn't yeah. you say? Yeah, I, de I definitely agree with that. I, I feel like, I feel like we already are, in a sense, saving and and like and like and like changing the game. You know what I'm saying? Like right now, mm -hmm. at like you know what I'm saying for like today's generation, will we be the ones that's doing it forever? I mean, I don't think we're gonna be the only ones. We're we're gonna we're gonna only you know what I'm saying. All we're doing is setting the bar and setting standards for the for the next. You know what I'm saying? Because when I I'm not gonna lie, when I was first coming in, somebody. I'm not going to speak on his name, you know what I'm saying? But somebody that I was looking up to straight told me out, out his mouth, like, yo, he, he's the last super producer. You know what I'm saying? There'll, mm -hmm. there'll never be another super producer. And then it was just like, you know what I'm saying? To be sitting here having this conversation with y'all about me being a super producer. It was and just you like, are, yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's like, that. that is dope to see how it all goes. So that's why I never count out the next person, but it's on somebody like me and Max Martin to keep pushing stuff forward and keep trying different things and, and seeing what sticks so then other people just like just like it, it took for all the people to play all those different instruments for us to take those samples and be able to you know what I'm saying put them in, in the beats now like now whatever me and Max Martin or Timberland or Pharrell are doing right now is going to inspire the that's what I'm all about I'm 26, but I still want to inspire either my peers or either the, the cats younger than me. John, what are you wanting folks to take away from your book, The you know, Song I, Machine? Because it's, it's, it's educational in, like, bukus of ways. Well, it is interesting that songs have changed so much in the way they're written from a melody and lyric approach to a, basically a track and hook, what I call a track and hook approach. And I think a lot of people aren't aware of that. And basically, that production technique came from hip-hop. And then it was taken by pop writers and sort of industrialized. That happened in Sweden. And that's another reason why it just makes complete sense that hip-hop and pop must come together. Because basically, all these pop songs are being made the same way they make hip-hop songs. And yet, there is still this kind of wall that's it's permeated somewhat, but it's still there. And I love it. I'd love people to take this book and say, oh, yes, the next step is obviously a merging of hip-hop and pop. And, and actually, and I'm think looking Mike forward Will's to writing be, about yes. Mike and, and writing gonna do about it. that. Yeah. I think he's going to do it. Man, I appreciate that. No, I do. I'm serious. <clears throat> Just say it, speak it, and claim it. I'm, I'm thrilled to have you here. That's love. In studio, John Seabrook from The New Yorker. The book is The Sound Machine. And my, my new little brother, Marietta native, Mike <laughs> Will. Yeah, I'm claiming you, too. You did? Grammy, award-winning producer. Uh, you guys are going to be hearing a lot of more about him that you haven't already heard. Guys, thanks so much for stopping by. Thanks a lot. Perspectives is a half hour we produce with you in mind. If there's something you think we ought to be talking about, let me hear from you. Tweet me, condo 29 on Twitter, or leave a message on our Facebook page. We do appreciate your listening and hope you'll be back next week at this same time as we examine another perspective.